You are listening to the Not Your Average Autism Mom podcast, the number one podcast for moms just like you, raising an autistic child. How are moms like us who didn't plan for this unique parenting journey embracing life just as it is right now, instead of staying stuck in wishing, hoping, and dreaming it was different? That is the question, and this podcast, along with our Let's Talk Autism newsletter and our private sisterhood, will give you the answers. My name is Shannon Urquiola, and I have been traveling this journey for over two decades. I have been where you are. All right, stay with me, and let's get on to this week's episode. You are listening to Not Your Average Autism Mom, Episode 16, Autism and Impulse Control. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you're here listening to us today, and I'm hopeful that this topic will be one that a lot of you will benefit from. Um, One of the biggest concerns of moms like you and me with their child is their lack of impulse control. Jordan is 24, and I will tell you this is still a huge challenge for us. Not knowing what they will do when is a constant concern. Impulsivity is acting on a whim with no thought or consideration of invading someone's space or what the consequences of their actions will be. There is no waiting for the right time and no deciding if it's okay. They just act. Ultimately, lack of impulse control issues can lead to pretty significant behavior problems. Impulse control issues lead us back to the part of the brain that's responsible for executive functioning. You guys know I've talked a lot about executive functioning. Executive functioning skills come from the part of the brain that helps us to manage tasks and organize, reasoning and problem solving, which is usually a deficit for many individuals with autism like our kids. They live in the moment and can't always predict danger. Often their sensory needs are so overwhelming and they are a priority over any common sense that you or I would see. Their ability to self-regulate is compromised. It's almost impossible for them to modify their behavior with their future consequences in mind. So what keeps you or me or neurotypical people from acting impulsively? Good question, right? The answer is because we have experiences or awareness to the consequences of our actions. Our kiddos often just don't have that, and they don't always learn from their behaviors. It's difficult for them to reflect on their past experiences, so they keep doing the same things over and over, and they continue to get in trouble for their actions. They struggle with cause and effect learning. That means if they want something, they just do it. I remember back, Jordan was probably in second or third grade, and I got a call from the school, and they were in a panic because they lost him. They literally could not find him. He had gotten away from his class on their way somewhere, and they couldn't find him. Well, immediately, my mom brain went to go check the elevator because I knew he was obsessed with the elevator. Because it was a rule that the students were not allowed to use the elevator. But Jordan was obsessed with the elevator. He wanted to get on it. And sure enough, they found him on the elevator. He'd probably been there 10 minutes going up and down on the elevator, pushing all of the buttons. 
people with autism are known for their ability to hyper-focus on an object or an activity. This is what happened with Jordan in the elevator. He was obsessed with the elevator. They end up prioritizing what they want for whatever else is going on, and they forget everything else that is happening to get or do whatever their focus is at that moment. Without the control to override their immediate wants or needs, children with autism tend to monopolize the attention of their teachers and parents. They touch things they shouldn't, go in places they shouldn't go, leave their chairs and wander around the classroom, or leave their homes to seek out what they want at that moment. This can be so dangerous. And unfortunately, I know you have read the stories, you've seen them. There have been grave consequences for some children with autism who lack this control. Some of the behaviors that come along with impulse control are interrupting conversations. This is a big one in our house. It's like what he thinks he has to say, and there's no waiting. Having trouble taking turns, exhibiting angry outbursts, they're easily distracted and have trouble focusing and paying attention, especially in non-preferred settings. They can't follow multi-step directions and often blurt out the answers before the question is even finished. Impulses can vary, but basically they are unable to refrain from something, anything they feel the need to do. They will often struggle with following directions that go against their immediate impulse. There are so many ways their lack of impulse control can be exhibited. I'm going to give you an example. My friend's son, Trevor, has an obsession with hairs that are out of place, too long or shouldn't be there. That means on someone's body or face, a dog's whisker. He just has to pull it. So as you can imagine, this has caused them some issues through the years because he would have no impulse control to not pull a long eyebrow or a hair that's out of place on the face of the man that's in front of them at the grocery store or, you know, somebody's dog whose whisker just looks out of place to him. That is lack of impulse control. I worked with another mom whose daughter was obsessed with everyone's jacket needed to be zipped up. It didn't matter if she knew them or not. It didn't matter where they were. If someone's jacket was unzipped, she had no impulse control to not go right up to that person and zip it up or attempt to zip it. It could be that they have to close every door, no matter where that door is. If the business wanted it open, if someone was in the room, it didn't matter. They would just have no impulse control to not close the door. Sometimes they can become obsessed with knocking things over just to see them fall. Books on a bookshelf, displays in grocery stores, they just want to see it fall like the blocks in Jenga or watching dominoes fall over. Teaching impulse control is one of the most important skills that we can teach our children because it's just so important later in life. They say that you absolutely can teach impulse control. But it's a learned skill that you will have to do a lot of discovery and repetition to help them begin to understand the consequences of their action. Look, I have still not mastered this with Jordan. It is still a work in progress. He will still interrupt despite thousands of times reminding him not to when someone else is talking. 
So just know that while I'm sharing this with you, what I know about impulse control and autism, I am certainly no expert on the success of these strategies and have not reaped their rewards successfully. Don't get me wrong. On a small scale, we have seen improvements through the years, but we are still working on this every single day. Our kids learn from repetition over and over again. Give them a do-over to practice the skill. It's also suggested that you focus not on what they did wrong, but instead what you want them to do. Instead of saying, stop interrupting when somebody else is talking, you could say, remember, we always wait to talk until the other person is done talking. For me, I've watched Jordan and tried to work on this many different ways. And the result I often see for him is when he waits or tries to wait, he gets frustrated or he loses his thought process and often forgets what he was going to say. So I do realize how difficult this is for him, but we still continue to work on it because it's an important skill. It's an important life skill to function in society. One of the hardest skills for our kids to learn is to wait. And that often leads to acting out in frustration. This takes practice. And I recommend starting out with short wait times. Practice this at home. Start with three or five minutes and gradually work your way up. Use the wait and reward system when you practice. Tell her that you're going to practice her waiting skills. And after she's waited the allotted amount of time, she can have her computer time or whatever her reward is. If they have difficulty having good behavior during wait times, which is very common, try again for a shorter period of time. And remember, be sure to offer praise when their wait goal is met. This is so important when teaching any new skill. Another great tool here is using a clock or timer if they are not telling time yet. We used a timer very successfully when Jordan was younger for a lot of things, and it was a very beneficial tool for us. The goal to teaching impulse control is to teach them how to think before they act. And again, lots of practice and repetition. Part of this is teaching them about their emotions and practicing being upset or angry, but not acting on it behaviorally. Listening skills also come into play, and they're very important. Our kids don't often listen to the directions from beginning to end especially if they're lengthy. Keep your directions at two to three steps in the beginning. Practice having them repeat back what the directions are before starting the task. This is a great tool, you guys. Keep your instructions short and then have them repeat back to them. Following multi-step directions will become easier with time and practice. The other thing you can do is practice substitution and postponement. I know what you would like to do, and you'd like to do that right now, but we can't do it right now. How about if we do this instead? That's a substitution. Or, I hear what you're saying, and I know you really want to go outside right now, but it's raining, so we need to wait 10 minutes until the rain is over before we can go outside, and then set a timer. The other thing that you can do, evaluate how you ask them questions. Instead of asking them yes or no questions, ask them an open-ended question. This helps them with executive functioning. Hey, listen, we're going to go to grandma's. It's cold outside. What would be the first thing we need to do to get ready to go? 
That might be put on your shoes or put on your jacket and then ask them, okay, and now what? Get in the car, put on our seatbelt. You get it. Just help them help you navigate through the day. The other thing that you can do is model good impulse control. Remember, you hear me say this all the time. They will model the behaviors that we show them even when we don't realize. How do you react when you lose your keys or your phone or if you're running late to an appointment? These are the times that you can model impulse control for them. It takes practice for you too. Be mindful of that. Another thing you can do is use visual schedules and have visual rule boards at home and at school. This might be as simple as having reminders that they need to raise their hand before asking a question. You could have a, you know, a three by five index card on their desk taped down. Having a visual schedule benefits them because they have a sense of control about their day and always give them as much advance notice as possible when something is going to change. Prepare them for transitions. Give them five-minute, two-minute warnings when a transition is going to take place. This is a good place to utilize the timers I mentioned. This gives them the processing time they need to move successfully from one activity to another. If this is a struggle for your son or daughter, it is critical that this accommodation is on your child's education plan. Be very specific when communicating instructions. You can't be vague and simply say, I need you to be good today because their interpretation of good and yours are likely completely different. Explain that when we go into the library, it's important we use an inside voice. Or when we go to the grocery store, you're going to keep your hands on the cart and don't touch anything in the store without permission. Be very specific on your instructions. Working on impulse control techniques will likely be an ongoing process for years to come. So it's important that you understand this and you yourself learn to show impulse control and not show your frustrations with the process of teaching it over and over again. Remember, a one-time lesson will not help them. It takes repetition and many do-overs. Teaching impulse control and self-regulation can be challenging, but the rewards are so worth it. When they are able to learn to think before they act, they are naturally calmer, happier, and enjoy better relationships with peers. Start this early. The earlier, the better. Just so you guys know, once again, the reason I decided to create the Not Your Average Autism Mom community is so that I can make your journey easier than mine was. To give you guidance and direction on the things that I wish I had started with Jordan earlier than I did. And my hope is that by doing that, your son or daughter will learn these skills earlier and you won't have to still be working on them at 24 years old like I am. Look, I'll be honest, I tried my best. I did the best I could at the time and for our situation. But if I had had a group of moms who were encouraging me and giving me regular guidance and training, I am sure that Jordan would have been further along than he is now. I didn't have that, but you do. In our community, you will have that. 
you will get training, guidance, and direction from not only experts in certain areas of autism, but from other moms who have traveled the road ahead of you, who can share with you their successes, but their shortcomings as well, just like I do, what they wish they would have known or would have done differently or at a different time. Your journey is your journey, but having tour guides to help you along the way will be priceless. Well, let me close by reminding you that one week from today on September 30th, our membership community opens for you. Mark your calendar because we are only open for five days for our founding members. This will be the only time you will be able to join in 2020. So for only $37 a month, you will join us as a founding member. And if you don't know what that means, go back and listen to the bonus episode, Autism Mom Community, where I outline the membership and what it's all about and what it means to be a founding member. It's going to be an amazing place to be. And our goal is for every mom who is raising a child with autism to be not your average autism mom. We can't wait to work with you. All right, my friends, until next time, keep going. You're doing an amazing job. And remember, practice, practice, practice. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Hey, so if you are loving what you are learning on the podcast, you really should check out our private membership. Our Not Your Average Autism Mom community is where we dive deeper into all of the topics we discuss on the podcast and where you can get individual help and learn coaching tools that will make your life better every day when you learn to manage your mind. You will have access to all of our training and resources that you will need along your autism parenting journey. And you will develop relationships with other moms just like you, all raising a child with autism. It is my absolute favorite place to be. So head on over to the website at www.notyouraverageautismmom.com to get all the details. And please, if we're not open right now for new members, we only open a couple times a year. Be sure to join the wait list so that you'll be the first to know when we're going to open. I hope you do. I would love to work with you inside.